Clay, we're back with Enterprise, and we had a Rotten Horror Picture Show crossover feature where they were mm, like, yes. we're going to watch Frankenstein. I was like, they've watched Frankenstein on Rotten Horror Picture Show. I was like, I bet wonder what other classics that Trip is going to bust out from his his depth of horror film knowledge. He just he seems to like Frankenstein quite a bit. I guess is the thing that we're to take away from this. But nothing against Frankenstein, but um, only the first one is. I don't think I've seen the other ones, but I think the only the first one is something I would consider a classic. Bride of Frankenstein, I guess, is classic. Is that on the list for that? Oh show? yeah, Bride Bride of Frankenstein is generally I think considered a hot a better movie than the first one. Like, yeah, when. People who are in the know talk about it. It's generally Bride of Frankenstein is the pinnacle of that era. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of hoping if it were me writing the episode, and I don't know if they had some sort of uh, you know license problem or something, but I would have been like, Frankenstein. we're watching three movies, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, and Chud. Yeah. <laughs> or something like another, you know, a weird deep cut or something like that. Or, uh, uh, Attack of Evelyn the Killer has, Tomatoes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I did. I did have a lot of sympathy for uh, for Tapal because it reminded me a lot of um, the conversation between Tapal and Trip. It reminded me a lot of mo- a lot of conversations I have with my girlfriend, which is, "Do you mind if we watch Bride of Frankenstein tonight?" And she's like, "Can I do literally anything else?" <laughs> and then eventually she watches it and she goes, "Oh, that was pretty good. That's so. pretty good. You brainwashed her into liking liking something." It's always it's always tough to get someone even it's it's even tough to convince myself to do something that I want to do. Um, mm. That's it. We're gonna take a break. We're gonna be talking about Horizon today. We're back full time with Enterprise, and we're back into the second half of Enterprise. So let's. It's been, dare I say, a long road. It has been. Yeah, we and we. I wouldn't say we got from there to here. I wouldn't. I would say we just kind of tread water for a little bit. But we're back with Horizon. We're gonna break it down. We'll play a clip, and then we're coming back. We're going to break it down. I didn't mean to undermine your authority, really. But you're being unreasonable. I just want us to be prepared. Us. You keep talking as if you're a part of this crew. It's still my home. You turned your back on us a long time ago. Is that what this is about? Me leaving? Horizon is the 20th episode of the second season. First aired of Star Trek Enterprise. It aired on the 16th of April, 2003. Written by Andre Bormanis, directed by James A. Contner. In universe date is exactly known. It's January 10th, 2153. In this episode, while Enterprise Ooh. diverts to observe an unusual planet, it's almost today. Except yeah, it's so close. Well, Enterprise. It's like a friend of mine, a friend of mine once said uh, he, he bought a lottery ticket. And he said, I almost won. I was off by one number on every one of the numbers. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that's it's like it's not really how it works, but it's okay. like <laughs> it's like Kino when you miss everything, you still win because of how difficult it is to miss. Um mm-hmm. in this episode, while Enterprise diverts to observe an unusual planetary event, Travis Mayweather takes time off to visit his family on the cargo ship where he was born and raised, the titular horizon. Um we're back after a long break of discovery with the second and final Travis Mayweather featured episode. Uh, he does not have a feature after this, uh, which is something that we'll probably have more to say as we move along. But uh, it's kind of interesting going back into Enterprise after we, we took like four weeks off for Discovery, and it felt much longer than that for some reason, but it's only been a little while. Um, coming back into Enterprise after that is... I, f- I felt I found it like really shocking sort of to go back to an enterprise. I think this episode is fine. It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. 
I was um I was living in the small details of this episode for some reason and just kind of marveling at uh, how the series is different from Discovery. And not that this is a great shakes or anything like that. I don't think this episode is terrible. I don't think it's fantastic. I think it's like a functional episode of Star Trek. But it it's an episode that lived in these small moments that I thought in some ways elevated it. And I wasn't sure if I was just noticing it because there's a... Uh, there's like none of that in Discovery. Like mm-hmm. the moment here that sticks out in my head is when Travis gets on the ship and he's talking to his mother and they're walking down. Uh, he just boards Horizon and she's like, tell, he's telling her all these stories and she's sort of walking him to the room. The, sh- the freighter goes to warp and they have to grab onto a pole that's there. Mm. And while they're taking, while the ship is moving into warp, they have the face of the person who's nervous to fly sitting next to you in an airplane as the plane is taking off. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, what a, what a small, wonderful little detail about early space travel and early warp travel on a very old ship at a point yeah. uh, in Star Trek's history. It was just, it had moments like that. And I was just like, wow, I, I, I appreciate these things. Yeah, I would say that's the most interesting stuff in the episode because I, um, I found it very difficult to for this one to keep my attention because it was, I was honestly, I don't know if it's just because of my own predisposition, but I was much more interested in the Fr- the Frankenstein plot than I was the stuff on the, on the horizon, just cause it was, I don't know. It was, it, it was just so by the numbers, family light family drama. It's real. Tr- then, it's really trite. It's, it's really, it yeah. has like, it's, it's functional as a story, but it doesn't have anything interesting or unusual to say about it. Yeah. And even at the end, when those, when the, those guys show up and try to, um, you know, steal their ship or whatever. Uh, Travis builds them a gun, and the gun works perfectly, and then they, they're just gone, and it's yeah. just over. And uh, I understand that it's like, well, it's about the the brother trusting him or whatever, but it's, I don't know, it, for, as far as the story goes, it was fairly, uh, yeah, trite is a good way to put it. Very stock, an exceptionally yeah. stock story for going back to meet the family that you're estranged from, and everything's going to work out in the end mm-hmm. and the difficulties about not being there when your father died and the the sort of guilt and the the brief moment where the main character considers leaving Starfleet to go back to their family on the freighter and then is overturned by their mother who says we're all proud of you extremely by the numbers really nothing else going on uh but it it did remind also, it reminded me sorry of the um mm-hmm. breaking the ice episode which was an episode that we liked just because it has these sort of small world building details sure. that are interesting and i don't think it's good but i think that all those details were kind of neat and like you i like the tapal stuff and i liked the even the 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 brewing um the sort of difference between the upper tier upper upper echelon of starfleet developing while these freighter captains are left behind and how mm. they have a resentment towards uh starfleet and things like that I like all that stuff. I wish they had gone more into it instead of the stock family thing. But th- those are kind of neat ideas, at least for what Enterprise is trying to do. Yeah, I kind of wish what they if they had gone a little bit different way with that because um, uh, Travis's friend. Well, first I was going to say, what a big ask from uh, from Travis for them to go only ten hours out of their way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like it's like I'm driving to New York and someone is like, "Oh, that's awesome. Could you drop me off in Ohio?" Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> And I I am under the impression they had to get there by a certain point so they wouldn't miss the volcano or something. Yeah. So yeah. it's 
kind of a big ask, but uh, um, when when his friend shows up, I can't remember her name. Uh, the the girl who shows up like halfway through to talk talk to him. Yeah, and she talks about how they've missed some of their drop offs and stuff like that, implying that Travis's brother is not. Pulling, pulling his weight. Yeah. 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 I kind of wish the story had used that a little bit more, where maybe the problem that they get into is somehow born out of that instead of just randomly being attacked by uh, people that happen to come by. Right. That wouldn't be a very enterprise. That That's kind of a, a standard enterprise critique, I think. A lot, of, But at, at the same time, I, I kind of liked the attacking aspect because it, it definitely is... Uh, revelatory of space at this point before the federation exists is still a wild wild west situation sure. where for you know it's very star Wars. freighter captains are just being attacked by pirates basically the whole time that you're moving mm-hmm. around um so while i liked that i would agree it's a slight distraction just from the the family uh conflict that's going on there's yeah. probably more of a an interesting plot line between um Travis and his brother and his mother than what they give you. Uh, but at the same time, I did like I, it was one of the few times of Enterprise doing an alien attacking the ship that was like, there's a reason that this thematically works in this story as opposed to just everyone hates the Enterprise uh, in the rest of the yeah. Enterprise episodes. Well, I just wish it was it had a little bit more. It, it, I wish it was if it's not going to be directly tied in to this thing where it's like, you know, pizza the hut shows up to to get a bounty or or because uh um travis's brother cheated him on the last drop off or something like that if it's not going to be like that i wish it had been more of a um catalyst for a um bringing into view the, the stuff that you were saying about the difference between starfleet and these freighters who are who are uh, much less equipped and are, have kind of fallen behind technologically and stuff like that. Because I think you can get out your uh, the you can get more um, interesting drama out of using that as sort of a cover uh, for the uh, arguments, the family stuff. You know what I mean? Where it's like that Travis and his brother get into an argument about what's happening because of, and his brother's blaming Starfleet for this, but he's really blaming his brother because his brother isn't there anymore. That kind of thing. Yeah, I would. I would personally have amplified it by. I do like the idea that uh, human society is putting all of their eggs in the Starfleet basket, and mm-hmm. like in a way that resources are maybe take, being taken away from the freighters and stuff like that because they're trying to build this fleet of starships that are going to go out there and be the the new cutting edge aspect of how humanity is, and you know it's it's kind of of the political era now, but it's like it's the the I, I wish that they had gone into the 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 people left behind by this change more and that it was a may you'd have to probably paint starfleet as a little bit um uncaring in some ways which mm-hmm. is probably something that the show doesn't want to do but at least starfleet is so focused on their goals that there's this entire subclass of people who are left with jobs that aren't really all as as glamorous as everyone else is allowed to have and that are sort of fading off into this irrelevancy in the near future because we're not going to really see these people in the near future. So mm-hmm. they do die out at some point. That would have been well, nice to have. It'll be a little, a little bit more personal there. And that was also, I don't think you have to paint Travis as greedy, but there's a, I think there's a, there's a legitimate anger about his family feeling that he left them behind. If they mm-hmm. explain that a little bit more. 
Yeah. And what I think that also would do too is um, I think it would allow you to draw a starker contrast between Starfleet and the Federation because I don't think I don't think it's a problem to paint Starfleet in that light uh, because Starfleet in and of itself is a military exploratory operation. Yeah. The Federation, on the other hand, is the thing that has the values. Yeah. The Federation Starfleet, guides Starfleet's values and the Federation yes. doesn't exist yet. And I think I think I think ascribing too many of those values to be interchangeable with the Federation and Starfleet is um kind of cuts you off from from interesting story avenues and also kind of is like you know puts you into this weird weird position where it's like the military is always right kind right. of thing yeah which is not not what they're about yeah yeah I, I think that's that's true it's a good um i would have liked that to have been a background running subplot in enterprise mm. i think that's kind of interesting that um because because yeah because uh, sorry I didn't mean to cut you off. well reed would fit into uh, that as well like reed yeah. reed's sort of military background is that conflict on the ship too yeah, and and like the show is about the formation of the Federation and, and it's it's in theory Enterprise is about driving towards the creation of the Federation and why the Federation is necessary. And one of the ways you can show that is by Starfleet maybe not always going the way that the Federation would and realizing why that's not the right way to go. Not entirely dissimilar to what we talked about in Discovery, where it's like if it's about the creation of the Federation or the recreation of the Federation, show why that's a, why that's important and how things need to change in order for that to be a thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I definitely would have liked that. It's tough to... It's not really a criticism of this show because I think that that's such a big idea that's probably deserving of yeah. a, a backgrounding subplot that's going on. Yeah. Um, if yeah. they were to focus on Mayweather more, I think that he's the character to focus on that. It would also that also pairs him against Reed more naturally, um, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. they are kind of in. Uh, they are two. They you the show could have written them as two opposite perspectives of that problem, which is that Reed comes from the military background, which is not particularly doesn't value federation values it values a kind of um protectionist ideology or like a mm. sort of like we're here to get the job done as opposed to a, a a value underpinning it in terms of exploration but it also would have given mayweather a um a different perspective because he would have gone into starfleet and left that mentality behind mm. and it's a little bit of there's a little bit of a foil to he, each other there he's not even in this episode is he does, does he even reed. show up like yeah reed is in it he's he's eating in one scene oh that's right yes yeah, yeah. but he doesn't do anything outside of that would how would you have felt if they sent reed with travis for some for some reason well i, I think in why. the way that the show exists currently it wouldn't have added anything because i don't think reed has yeah. a real point of view about, about that stuff but right, if, yeah. if he had been written that way he would have gone with travis and it would have been the the contrast that's provided there mm-hmm. um speaking speaking of going with him though i w- i was uh uh th- this episode is full of big asks because not only does does travis asks for them to drive 10 hours out of the way as he's leaving trip is like hey do you mind giving me a tour of the engine room and i was like the guys just found out his dad died <laughs> and you want him to give you a tour of the engine room <laughs> it's um 
the father's death is funny in a lot of ways because well, I guess I guess Archer didn't know about his father's death. I guess his mm. father died six months ago or something, I think, is the storyline. And the Enterprise has just been out of communication for one reason or another, and Travis hasn't been able to get it. But it was uh, the mother sent a message six to Starfleet headquarters six weeks ago, but they never got it. Six weeks ago, and they never got it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, it, was, it doesn't really line up. I was going to say that Archer telling him about the letter is funny that he waited so long, but he had no reason to tell him about the letter mm-hmm. until that point. So it's, it's not really a problem. But it is, it is a lot of big asks. Um, maybe that even ties into the T'Pol storyline, which is um, well, we'll stick on Mayweather for a minute. But I, I, sure. I do want to move to T'Pol. T'Pol storyline is interesting in a lot of different ways. Um, the Mayweather thing is. I really don't have any problems with the bones of that story. In a lot of ways, it's the perfect Enterprise story in terms mm. of what Enterprise seems to want to do, which is that it's incredibly stock, but not offensively bad. And any chance it has to reach out and be something larger than what it seems to be, it doesn't really do except for these small details that are dropped every which way. Like even even down to the... You were talking about the scene where he meets that girl in the bunk, his old friend or whatever, and he has a, <laughs> I'm just stuck in discovery mode. He has a line where he's like, remember when we used to turn off the anti-grav and, and jump around on the bed? I was like, are they implying they had sex? And I went, I went for about 30 <laughs> seconds before realizing that they were just talking about being kids jumping around yeah. in a room without gravity. But yeah. any chance that the show has for some sort of interesting development, you know, it, it won't take it. It'll just say, no, this is just uh, these guys. And that's, you know, it just ties into every interaction that Travis has with someone who's on the ship to me comes across as if they are two old friends who are meeting at a work conference or like two old people <laughs> who used to work together meeting at a work conference where the first guy's mm-hmm. like, he's doing a blowtorch in the hallway and he's like, hey, hey, excuse me, sir. Oh, hey, Travis, good to see you again. You know, it, it, yeah. it all feels a little bit... Um, pedestrian and i think that that's maybe one of the reasons that the enterprise the episode doesn't really grab you as much as it could yeah yeah i think i um yeah i don't i don't i don't know what i would need for it to really grab me grab me more because uh yeah the 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 concept is is fine i think it's just that well what's the central conflict between the brothers i think is the problem that's yeah that's the thing it's kind of i mean it just comes down to the the other brother feeling like Travis left, and that Starfleet is, you know, hoity-toity or something. I don't know. It's, but it's as not, his, and it's, as his mother says, he he. Well, it's kind of confused because he he feels that way, but his mother also says that even Paul is proud of you, you know. And so, I guess the main conflict there is just that he's kind of like, is it jealousy? Is it just annoyed that mm-hmm. he left and like he had to pick up the extra work to do? Is he really proud of him? I I. I go ahead. I think I think the problem is they they kind of don't really choose a side in the depiction of that story. Yeah. Cuz like when he shows up and he first come sees his brother again, they're like, you know, super huggy and you know, great to see you. And then as soon as Mayweather's like, "Can I help?" the brother's like, "Fuck you." Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. You're you know, on, like you're on leave. Not, not ex- yeah, I am not exactly like that, but like that's 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 the 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 change that that happens and it's like, well, if they had played the brother a little bit more aloof about it and and had been like, "Oh, he re- 
I, I'd love to come and say hi, but I'm the captain now, so I can't, I don't have time to do that. Like, and he's being really passive aggressive about it. That might be a little bit more of a, that would create some, some more natural drama, I think. Well, did you like, like everybody's, everybody's happy to see Travis except his brother because his brother has to carry the weight of the ship and Travis isn't there anymore and dad's dead and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I guess I'm conflicted because I think I probably would have preferred just his brother being annoyed with him when he comes back than a greater shift in personality between the two crews. Like, I, I think that sure I, I would really like to have had seen Travis be seen as more of an elitist for going off to Starfleet and his modifications that he's constantly trying to make throughout the episode being seen as more... Um, irrationally met with negativity because I think his brother's point about like, well, when you leave, who's going to fix this thing is a good point. But I don't know if Mayweather is supposed to be seen as a character who is being selfish there, even though he's trying to help that he's not thinking through the difference between things. I don't think the episode has a point of view on that. No, not really. I think that I think for both of them, they they kind of play a little wishy-washy and don't really make too much of a stand either way. Yeah. I just, I think that the, if it's only the brother, I think I've seen, that story so many times where it's just two brothers who are, you know, angry and then it's family basically. And then they get in a fist fight in the mud and and that's the end of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I would have preferred to have it a little bit more global of an interaction, but his, his brother, I thought the guest stars in this were all good. I thought the brother was actually the weakest link. I thought that he wasn't, Mm. I thought that he was bad at being a captain. Although I wonder if that was (laughs) intentional that he was not supposed to be good. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't seem authoritative in a way that the, um, the mother does and even the friend and the, the other people like that. Yeah. I liked, I liked the mom. She was good. Mom was good. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's pretty much it. For- Although I, I kind of, I feel like, uh, 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 Travis and his brother acting chops wise were kind of throwing the same energy back and forth at each other. So maybe it didn't stand out as much. Really? Yeah. I, um, I think I like Anthony Montgomery. Okay enough i don't think that he's uh bad enough to no. he has one emotional when he's crying about his father i think which is which mm-hmm. came across fine i didn't think that it was forced or yep. anything um he's he's competent like i guess the main thing about his competence as an actor is just that i don't really understand why the show doesn't write him more frequently than they choose to mm. yeah. there's nothing wrong with him and he's got a kind of uh, his main problem maybe at this point is that he doesn't particularly have a point of view as a character. So if you're writing for him, you're not particularly inclined to do anything because you don't know what he's actually supposed to represent. Yeah. If, if, if the, he was written more like say like Bashir is written as he's the Mayweather is the one who is gung ho for Starfleet and what Starfleet means in the future of Starfleet and all that kind of stuff. Then you put him in this situation, I think you get a lot more uh, uh, starker contrasts drawn mm-hmm. and a little bit more a little bit more um, drama baked into this confrontations he's having with his brother and his old way of life and stuff like that. But he's not. He just he's just kind of there. Yeah. You know, his it's it's funny because on the sh- on Enterprise, his defining characteristic characteristic is that he is from a freighter ship. And once you put him back on the freighter ship, it's just sort of like, all right, well, I guess he's back on the freighter ship now. There's not really much distinction to draw here. Yeah. Because if on if on Enterprise, he's like, well, back on the freighter ship, 
you put him on the freighter ship, and he's like, "Well, I yeah, this is I guess this is it." Yeah. Or back on the Enterprise, this is he's he he exists in relation to what ship he's on compared compared to the mm. other, to, compared to the other one. Um, yeah, he's. I I I don't really have anything else to say about his storyline. It's mm-hmm. um it's fine. Uh, the Tapal storyline I think is interesting for different reasons. Um, is re is uh trip hitting on her? I don't know because I I couldn't tell if they were trying to go for like a a love triangle thing because you've got trip talking to her in a way that feels like he's you know trying to if not directly hitting on her laying the groundwork to do that later yeah and then you've got archer who pretty explicitly asks her out on a date even though it's one of those like well it's not really a date one of those kind of things Mm. um so it's it's a it's weird that they're either they're either laying at laying out this sort of love triangle setup, or I mean, maybe it's just the modern TV viewer in me expects everybody to be trying to hook up with each other now because yeah. that's just what they do. Um, maybe it's that's not what they're doing, but it feels like they're they're either going for a love triangle situation or they're just very indecisive about who they want to pair off with DePaul. Yeah, to me, it felt like Trip was. To me, it felt like Trip was actually interested in her and is laying groundwork for something through his insistence mm-hmm. that she come to this uh, movie night. Archer's reaction where he overtly says it, but I think in a joking way, felt to me like there's another version of this script where T'Pol is wary about Trip's actions and then when Archer vocalizes it, that's her kind of it's like the escalation in the storyline where T'Pol starts wondering about like what everyone's true intentions are towards her. Mm. Uh, I don't think they did that. I think Archer is just so s- supposed to be playing it off as a joke. Um, There's a third version of the script that they wouldn't let me film. I can tell you that much. <laughs> Rick, get back in your room. Um, <laughs> it, it just felt it felt like the the focus was there in a way that I'm not sure was intentional. And I don't know if the writer just thinks that Trip is just trying to get her to do something and Archer is just being like uh, following the T'Pol storyline that they've had of T'Pol should ingratiate herself with the crew more frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like it falls right in the middle of all that stuff. And while I like the payoff to it, which is that she throws Frankenstein back in their face, I don't know if the payoff was really built off of what came before it in the, in the first place mm. and whether or not that they're supposed to be showing to Paul is not willing to be ingratiated or if she learns something from it. But she take the takeaway she gets from it is not what I expected her to have, even though I liked her takeaway from it at the end. Yeah, it was kind of strange because they have her talking as though she has no concept of what theater is, like conceptually. Mm-hmm. Um, which I found a little bit hard to believe because the Vulcans don't have some form of theater. I ha- they must. Vulcans like art. Yeah, they they like yeah. they like books clearly. Yeah, because she's like sit a bunch of people sitting silently in a room. I don't understand how that's a benefit to anybody. <laughs> um, you're not going to the right theaters, honey. Uh, you've yeah, I I like I like what she takes away from it. Yeah, but I also was a little bit surprised that that she. 
it's it seems like she it starts off as her not understanding the point of the gathering at all and then at the, on the other side of it she's like now i understand the point of horror movies <laughs> which i can appreciate because like i i really appreciated her being reticent to go into it and then she comes out on the other side and she's like quoting the movie and shit on yeah. the bridge yeah yeah she takes a takes a different perspective on it which is that uh they should have brought her to see should have brought her to they should have played army of darkness when they saved the people at the end she would have said like uh, hail the king baby or something at the end <laughs> yeah I, I i like the ending just because i think that that's kind of a neat in-universe read of frankenstein for the Vulcans mm. to have about it, about the mm-hmm. irrational mob that is humanity uh, reacting to them introducing themselves to her. Um, it's it's just, I, I guess that if the, if the episode is trying to get her to become ingratiated with the crew, it doesn't end with a moral that does that because she kind of sh- shows her separation from them in a way, which mm. I don't think is a problem. It was just, it confused me by the time that I got to the end of it about what T'Pol is supposed to be, uh, where she's supposed to be on this journey with them. Um, but I, mm. I, I liked it conceptually more than maybe I liked it execution wise, but um, like even, yeah, I think even along the way it's, it's not totally sure. Cause there's that when they're watching the movie, uh, she goes very quickly from, you know, grading papers or whatever she's doing while watching it into telling flocks to shut up. Yes. Yeah. He's talking too much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's a little, it's a little bit of a, of a vague, uh, journey for her. A little bit. But of, I agree. She probably, I think she would, would enjoy Bride of Frankenstein quite a bit. She should watch that one too. Yeah. And if anybody hasn't seen it, the other one, Son of Frankenstein, not talked about very often, but worth a watch. It's uh, it's actually where a good chunk of the stuff that ends up in Young Frankenstein, the Mel Brooks movie, actually comes from Son of Frankenstein. And it's amazing how like a direct lift it actually is. Yeah. There's almost no joke added. Um, and it's still funny. But uh, it's uh, Boris Karloff's last performance as, as the Frankenstein monster. It's pretty good. It also has uh, Bella Lugosi in it as well. She talks about how Vulcans have some sort of mental exercise, which is similar to a horror movie, where they're shown disturbing Im- imagery in order to try to stir an emotional reaction. Kind of like um, practice for Vulcans, I'm assuming, just to be shown sure, horrible stuff sure. and then just to not feel anything about it. I was waiting for the end where uh, the Vulcans have heard of horror movies, and she shows the Enterprise on a Vulcan horror movie, and it's just yeah. everyone running out of the theater screaming in horror because the like the to, Vulcans are so come. good at um, not being terrified <laughs> that their shit that actually makes them terrified is horrific and and, uh, and inspiringly uh, horrific. I think. Yeah, it's like Takashi Miike's audition or something. Yes, with <laughs> man, a man, a man in vomiting a, in the back. <laughs> yeah, a man in a bag and a person eating their own vomit out of a dog bowl. That's what I expect. Also, about also it. a great movie. Yeah, they. Um, it was kind of a neat tie-in metaphor, though. Like we comment a lot of the time that they choose stuff that is just past, like its copyright period, and they can freely include it into yeah. a Star Trek episode. But here, uh, the Doctor, like I thought that their conceptual understanding of horror movies was kind of a neat way to tie it into Star Trek, where even Phlox is kind of talking about resurrecting people and what the science behind things would be, and to Paul's mm. position about what the actual theme of Frankenstein is to her. I thought it was a nice... It was one of the rare cases where Enterprise comments on actual existing culture in a way that makes sense in the 23rd century or wherever they are. 
Yeah, it's. Uh, I was actually a little bit surprised that um, Trip and Archer were so surprised by Tapal's read on Frankenstein. Yeah, because that read of Frankenstein. Them, I think. I think. I think it's, yeah. she's insulting them. I think with that take on it, which is maybe her point as well. Well, but I mean, like that take is the is the pretty much wide under widely understood take on Frankenstein yep. that it's the the monster is not the monster it's the the people who are the monster I think it's hitting them in a more personal way than just thematically yeah. understanding that at that point where it's yeah I guess uh, sorry go ahead well it's just that you can you can kind of understand Frankenstein and be like I'm not racist or I'm not bigoted I don't I understand this movie but I'm not that way and to Paul is saying remember when you guys freaked out when yeah. we showed up yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the thing. You can you can uh, you can recognize that stuff in in other uh, in areas that don't involve you and right. feel good about it. But when somebody else recognizes that in you, that's when you kind of are taken aback by it. Yeah. Do you think she means to lash out at them for that? Uh, I, that's I what, that's where the dating would have hit so. me if she was. Yeah. If she was trying to fend off their romantic advances, I think her trying to insult them at the end would be a Vulcan defense against that. You know yes. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's what they're implying, but that would have been the way to go. I think she's just being honest and is not even really aware that she's um, impacting them that way. Mm. Mm. She's she's metaphorically trying. They're metaphorically coming after them with burning torches, and she's trying to metaphorically uh, push them away, yep. only to be destroyed under the burning windmill of their lust. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I frequently describe my lust. Um, <laughs> oh, a strange, strange ending that I found poetic, but I'm not sure why. Uh, what's the point of the planet they visit at the end where all the life forms are being ejected from the volcano and they're studying them? I don't know. Does that mean something? something? I guess it didn't seem to, I thought for a second it was going to turn into a primary prime directive thing. Yep. Uh, but no, they just seem to be there to check it out. See what's going on. There's nothing, there's nothing thematic about being, it's like, it's kind of being reborn or something, but it, it just felt really, it felt like such a poetic moment that no one commented on outside of the fact that they were surprised it was happening. And I just couldn't figure out how it was supposed to tie into Mayweather's story because it felt like that should be the thematic tie-in. And it's just about being recognized or something. I'm, I'm not sure. It was, just, it was a strange enterprise, low, low, um, like a lo-fi sci-fi reference it's, it's mm. very it is very enterprise that they're just going off to see a volcano explode on a planet you know that that seems that's a very consistent enterprise mission that they're impressed by things like that yeah it reminded me of vacations i've taken with my girlfriend because she she likes to go see stuff but she doesn't necessarily need to go in them yeah so like we went to montreal and there are all these places that we were going to go and it was you know february so it was f- freezing our asses off and it was Monday, and all Monday uh, on Monday, lots of museums and stuff are closed, and so we just and takeout we annoyingly takeout. Yeah, sorry, I know Monday's the day you want takeout because you're easing back into it, and they're like, "No, we're closed yeah. on Monday." There's a we have a coffee shop up the street from us that makes amazing coffee and has great bagels and everything, and they're right by a bus stop, and they're closed on Mondays. Like you'd think that would be the day they would yeah. make their all their money, but yeah. anyway. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we we have a tendency when we go on vacation where it's like 
she really wants to go to this museum or something. And it's not so much that she wants to go in it. She just wants to see it. Mm-hmm. So we spent our last day in Montreal walking around in the freezing, freezing cold, just seeing the, uh, the exterior of places. And uh, <laughs> worth it is what I'm saying. <laughs> Beautiful architecture. Yeah. No, it was, it was, a, it was a great trip. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, they. She doesn't listen to this show, so I can say. That. Yeah, are, are you are you go, are, are you in Montreal going like uh, I want to be five thousand kilometers away from Montreal at this point? I'm gonna take us further away. You can see Montreal from a live stream at home. Yeah, um, yeah. It was just a. It was just a small. Again, it's the breaking the ice thing where they're impressed by the comet, and it's, there's kind of a charm mm. in the novelty of the Enterprise just looking at a comet that they've never seen before. It's the same thing here. It um, it just felt like they were reaching to connect something, and I'm not sure what the connection is. Maybe someone can tell me, but it's not not bad for doing it. I like the little poetic moments that they make every once in a while. Um, and that's pretty much it for that episode of Enterprise. Was there anything else that you had to say about this one? No, but if you'd like to hear our take on what Frankenstein may or may not be about, Check out episode like four of the Rotten Horror Picture Show, mm-hmm. where Amanda and I cover 1931's Frankenstein in its entirety. Which horror movie would T'Pol have liked the most out of the Rotten Horror Picture movies? Ooh, of the ones we've done so far, um, oh jeez, it's a very it's a very tough question. It's tough to remember which ones you've done too. Um, She's a scientist, so maybe she'd be in, in, interested in the Fly. Yeah, Fly Autopsy, I think. Of Jane Doe. Oh might, yeah. Might oh feel. yeah. That'd be interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah her science I just want to see if, limited. I think. Yeah, I just want to see a version of T'Pol where she starts wearing like uh, fright rags T-shirts, like similar to this, where it's like a a big disgusting drawing of like uh, Reagan from The Exorcist inside an upside down cross or something. <laughs> I don't think we'll get there, unfortunately. Um, all right, then that's enough for Horizon. We talked about it. We'll take a break. Play another clip. We'll come back. We'll read some patron thoughts and give our final thoughts about Horizon. I thought the protagonist was interesting. Dr. Frankenstein. No, his creation. From my perspective, this was the story of an individual persecuted by humans because he was different. That's one way of looking at it. In many ways, the film seemed quite prophetic. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for supporting the show. If you want to support the show, you go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. A couple dollars a month and you get extra podcasts. You get the ability to vote in the polls about what we talk about uh, behind the or the um, sort of commentary tracks and things that we do back there. We revisit old Star Trek episodes. And as always, if you're a Captain Tier supporter, you get a special thank you. Special thank you goes to Ben Douglas, Tark Latif, Joint Mango, Kyle Barrett, Mike Burnett, Matthew Ross, Andrew Churlock, Cardinal Doomsday, Nathan Elliott, Sam Custer, Matt Cutler, Nick Sergi, Grim Santa, Sean, Christian Pouch, Bradley Killens, Dwayne Hackett, C. Teague, Darth Moss, Kevin Reyes, Jordan Cooper of All 13 Hero, Rune Vendler, HH28, Stefan Minton, Derek Zajac, Paul Roscoe, Jacob123, Nick the Rat, Point Extra G, Grappler John Zorn, Eric Santuan, Kevin Lowry, Kevin Brazen, Jakey's Gamer, Patrick Seba, Corey Martin, William Scheisler, Soyan Blue, Zane Majors, Dave Davies, Retail, Olivier Pardieu, and Worf's Tiny Brown Decks. Thank you very much for supporting us on patreon.com slash the Penske file. And now we'll go to patron thoughts. If you're a supporter at the $5 and up level, you can leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes and we read them. Matt Ross says, Horizon, what's with the lame cold opens? Is that buzzing in my head? Do you hear buzzing, Clay? Uh, it's in my head, I assume. I, I do not hear buzzing. Do you ever have those things where you just randomly hear a buzz and then you focus on it and it goes away? <laughs> and uh, 
Yeah. It's like something in your head or something has gone yeah, wrong in your Wes, ear. Call the police. I think it's happening to me right now. Matthew Ross says, Horizon, what's with the lame cold opens? This is essentially sending a piece I was just, yeah, they're terrible at cold opens on this show. I don't know how they could be so bad at it, but <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. What's with the, we'll come back to what's the lame cold opens? It's essentially sending a piece of wood home to see his angry brother and then script of fortunate son happens. Oh, and there's a planet of lava. The end. One cargo container out of five. This one, um, yeah, Enterprise's problem with cold opens is that they don't get to the inciting incidents in the cold open. They just kind mm. of introduce the idea about it uh this one ends with is he called to the bridge or something he's yeah i think so someone he's calls him he says i'll reading. be right there and that's the end of the cold open and the only the only thing you learn about that is that he is you're reminded of the fact that he likes the anti-gravity thing uh and if you remember why it's because he grew up on a freighter so trying to remind you of that and to show you that this is a mayweather episode that's literally mm. the only thing that's accomplished here yeah um I I find it particularly annoying because back when this is airing, the thing that would annoy me the most, like South Park did this all the time, and it would drive me fucking nuts. South Park doesn't have a cold open, but they have their opening credits. So it would be 9 o'clock or whatever when South Park is on. You turn on South Park, you watch the opening credits, and then they immediately go to commercial. Yep. And so if you if you tune into... If you tune into uh, the Simpsons, would do it too. If you tune into Enterprise and you get this cold open, which is just this cold open, is a great way to describe it. It's thirty seconds of of not much, and then you go to five minutes of commercials. It's like ugh, you know, you're you're not doing a great job of hooking your yeah. audience member into the episode you're about to to show them after. You're you're rewarding the chronically late, I suppose, who are going to miss the ads and won't pay any story price of not having been there for the uh, the very start. You can you can mm. check in right right uh, five minutes in. They it's it's funny you say that because they they seem so slight on this show that it almost feels like a conscious decision with that in mind, where yep. it's like. Eh, people I don't a lot of people show up late to this show anyway because they don't watch the credits or whatever because they're probably <laughs> skipping it because of the fucking theme song yeah um, it, it makes it so more let's, it's let's, almost more of a bold choice to do something dramatic in the first opening minutes of when you were doing network tv and everyone had to tune in at the right time you know you're almost yeah, disincentivized yeah. to do that because of the risk that someone's going to show up five minutes in and go, what the hell's going on? And then get to the end and not realize that the first five minutes were vitally important to it it's kind of right. like um because Columbo would do that, right? Like the Columbo opening clue, you kind of always know who the killer is, but the Columbo opening is always revealing what... Am I misremembering Columbo? Like you always kind of see the crime or something, don't you, in the opening? Yeah, I think generally on, on a lot of those shows you do. Like on, I think they still do that on like Law & Order a lot of times. You'll see the crime yeah. in the before the credits or something yeah. like that, which no, you know makes sense. Not that it's vital to see, but it's nice to get the, the context of it. A Latte Librarian says, Horizon to Paul is one of the best Vulcan portrayals in all of Star Trek. Blaylock knocks it out of the park. Hopefully this is the start of Mayweather turning into a real character, though if he's going to ask Trip to get the alien tracker off his family's ship, why would he lie to the captain about what happened while he was there? The call out to having families and therapists on starships was a nice touch. Three underground microbes out of five. I did like the um, the TNG references about having a therapist yeah, on the yeah. ship and families and things. I also, and that's an instance where I think that was a good character conversation because you've got 
May, uh, Mayweather, who misses his family and wishes he could see his family more, saying, "Yeah, it would be great if they had families on the starships." And he, he's talking to Reed, talking to Reed yeah. who is more of a military guy and doesn't like his parents. And he's like, "I don't know. I think that would you know, be awful." <laughs> so you know, you, you get a nice little character conversation out of it. It's not just a wink towards TNG. Yes. Yeah. Good point. Speaking of cold opens, the greatest cold open I've ever seen, just because of how long it is is the 2009 remake of Friday the 13th where um, I believe the the credits don't show up for about 25 minutes into the movie yep. because they actually essentially do an entire truncated um, Friday the 13th movie to get you through uh, Jason's mother and Jason showing up and, and for the first time and killing people. Uh, uh, they do that, then they give you the credits, and it's like it's got to be at least a half, twenty-five minutes to a half an hour into the movie. Uh, let's see here. Check out the Patreon for all coverage of Friday the Thirteenth. Um, yeah, starting this month. Starting this month. Point extra G says. Reminds me, I, I have to put a poll up for the patrons. I haven't done that yet, so this will go out, and maybe there'll be a poll at this time. Excuse my lateness. Point extra G says, what type of episode should Travis get for his go at the lead? How about a perfectly forgettable one? The episode is like Travis. There's nothing really wrong with it, but it doesn't do a whole lot for you and you kind of forget about it. So really, this episode and Travis are the perfect pairing. <laughs> Nick, the rest still, is... Every time we talk about Travis, I still get a little bit salty that they didn't go with him being a time soldier. That would have been so good. Yeah. Anything. I think that's the... Um, I was actually thinking about it because the Flocks and T'Pol scene I liked because those two are clearly written to be the opposites of each other in terms of their species-defining nature, where T'Pol is very um, reticent towards the humans and Flocks is all about absorbing whatever he comes across and is very happy-go-lucky. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, I think the there's kind of a problem. I was just going through my... I was like... Watching that scene, I was going, I think a problem with Enterprise's cast is that there's not enough aliens in it, really. Mm-hmm. And then I was going, well, that's just kind of a shorthand way to say that I wish the other characters were written with more depth to them, really. Like, they don't yeah. have to be aliens, yeah. but they just have to have some kind of thing going. And it's just that it's easy to see in the T'Pol and Flock stuff because their aliens' nature defines what their characteristics are. So it's more obvious, and the the writers force it each time that it has to happen. Um but like Hoshi, Reed, Mayweather, mm. that's a big portion of your cast that I really can't define what their thing is uh, beyond the most surface level of characteristics. Yeah, yeah. Nick the Rat says, Horizon, Mayweather, 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 Mayweather. I give this three Mayweathers out of four. Like uh, imagine, imagine if Mayweather had been a time soldier and then he showed up in season four of Discovery. That'd be awesome. Like, he's got a, he's got he's got a direct <laughs> link to the to the time period from which I mean even further back than the time period they came from. Yeah, that would have been cool. Yep, he was there at the temporal accords that outlawed time travel, and now he's here to warn everybody it was a big mistake. <laughs> Kyle Barrett says Horizon, according to Clay's Rotten Tomatoes list, the three best horror films are actually Psycho, Get Out, and The Cabinet of Doctor Caligari. But I guess they That's didn't true. have the rights yes. to these movies. This is the second and final Mayweather episode of the series, and it's never a good sign when they bring in the character's extended family. If anyone deserves a <laughs> Detmer-style rant about how they fly the ship and nobody cares, it's Travis. 
I wish the episode took on an almost meta slant and explored Mayweather feeling like he's wasted on the Enterprise and is tempted by the captaincy of his old ship. At the end of the episode, Travis should have turned to Archer and said, this galaxy is like a big pussy just waiting to get fucked and walked back onto the horizon to rule his shipping empire <laughs> rather than stand the Enterprise and do absolutely nothing for the next two seasons. Two out of five. Yeah, um, I would say this is a better episode than that episode of Deep Space Nine where, uh, uh, fuck, what the hell is Dax's second name? Uh, Jedzia or Ezri? No, the Ezri, where Ezri Dax goes home for for an episode, mm-hmm. and it's just, ugh. <laughs> so it's better than that one. Yeah, it's not I mean, saying it's, much though. It's definitely the extended family is definitely an attempt to flesh out a character that you don't know anything about or why they mm. like. In Ezri's case, it's like this character just showed up in our final season. We need to do something <laughs> to expose who knows this character. Her family would definitely know her. How about we write a family episode and um. Mm. There's, I, there's just not many that. ways you can write a uh, family conflict dynamic, you know? It, it's like mm. all you really have is jealousy or latent tension, you know? Spite. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 it, there's not much you can do with it. Yeah, I think the reason it, – it's it's weird because I, I do think that episodes like this are a crutch for exactly what the reason you're saying, but the irony is – Unless you do have an understanding of who the character is before you do the family episode, they don't work. Yeah, you can't you can't um, you can't just pull characterization or character out of thin air just because their mom and dad show up or something. Right, you know I mean? like that's they, probably why they're so generic. It's because you get there, and yeah. Like the family will expose them, and you go, "Oh, wait a minute, I don't know what what they can expose." Yeah. So we'll just have a generic. yeah. What is there to expose? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's why I mean, Esri. Your character comes from the action that actions that they perform in the story that you're telling, which so then when you get to a family thing, you know the character and you you understand where these tensions come from. It's not just the family telling you what the tensions are. Yeah. That's why the that's why the family episode of of TNG works so well is because by the time they do that, you know who Picard is. You know what where Picard stands and stuff. Yeah. I like Cal's point about the meta slant about it, it. It kind of almost is there anyway about whether or not Mayweather really belongs on. I, I felt it particularly when Archer is talking up Mayweather at the start. Mm-hmm. It feel it like it just feels like a character Bible description, you know, like the show Bible, and he's just like, "You're the best pilot in the fleet. You're mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you God damn, you fly the ship so well, Travis. Like I just can't. It, it's really." empty and they just have to make up the thing about the letter uh, of his father and his father's praise is equally vapid and empty it's like he's a great pilot you'd be an asshole not to have him as your pilot captain archer um so i would have appreciated a more meta take on it although i also think the the other thing i think about mayweather is um imagine having a job where he like this in his other episode of the two exceptions where he spent four years he probably learned his lines on the drive into the studio each day. Yeah. You know, like there's yeah. nothing. He's just there's nothing to do as it, and he's getting. I don't know what he's getting paid. Uh, he's getting paid something. I'm I'm, I'm assuming ninety five percent of people in America would be happy to be paid to just come in every once in a while and mm-hmm. do something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's unsatisfying, but I was just like, you got it made in the shade. If you're a main cast member that the writers just have no idea what to do with you, you just sit in the front chair and you go, aye aye. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and then you much. collect your collect your ten thousand dollar check at the end of the week. Not bad. And I mean if if you're enterprise, it's you 
I feel like it's almost like if you've made it this long, you have tenure and you you don't even have to worry about possibly getting killed off because they never do anything right. that extreme on this show. So what's the worst that could happen? You just get paid for hanging out? That's the that's that's kind of a modern take on it. You can't just be the actor who's going to hang around because the writers will be like, we don't need this character anymore. Let's just get rid of them. Yeah. And <laughs> You're going to get that one script where it's like, oh, they finally gave me something. Oh, I'm dead. Yep. Fuck. That's, flip, flip to the back. Gone. Groppler John Zorn says, excuse me here, Horizon, like Dr. Frankenstein, Enterprise uh, seems to have a gift of reconstituting decent stuff out of the previously unused material. Well, it's nice to see Mayweather get something to do, it's also apparent why the actor isn't featured so often. Still, dude deserves an arc, not just a line segment between two nearly identical episodes. Top-notch B-plot, though. It's a three. It's a three. What was the other Mayweather episode? Fortunate Son, where he they find the other freighter that has the... Uh, Nausicaan that they've captured and they're trying to fight back against the Nausicaans who are stealing their stuff. Sure. Um, it has okay. the ending thing where Archer and the captain talk to each other and it's a very funny conversation. Uh, there's re- It's really just uh, Mayweather's in it because he he relates to freighter people and they come over to the Enterprise. Right. Yeah. right. Okay. I've, yeah, I vaguely remember that. Was that this season? First season. That was the first okay. season. Okay. <laughs> I feel that feels like a million years ago. Uh... I think this is this is the last comment. Captain Brazen says, as we return to Tycho Station, we see the crew of the Rosiante making repairs after their escape from the ring gates. I'm not getting these references. I apologize. So I'm not going to be able to pronounce it. Tensions with the threat of war between Earth and uh, Mars. Sounds, sounds hilarious, though. Tyco, so. Tycho Station sounds familiar, but I don't get the other one. I apologize. Tensions with the threat of war between Earth and Mars are on the rise, and you can see I avoided rewatching this Enterprise episode by watching season five of The Expanse. There you go. Oh, so okay. he got, he got me go. at the end. It's The Expanse, which I... I'm justified in not knowing. Okay, in regards to the episode, the only horizon I see is skipping this episode and going to the next. Travis is extremely sidelined and underutilized in his own show, more so than any character in Star Trek franchise, including Clay's beloved Tasha Yar. Happy New Year to you all, and may we all finish the horrendous year of 2020 and season two of Enterprise stronger than Travis Mayweather's story arc. A low two wishing season three was already here out of five. So that's it. A lot of, a lot of negativity towards this episode. Um, I can't defend the negativity. I I don't think I have to. <laughs> um, thank you, patrons, for leaving your thoughts. I'm going to give this a three. This felt to me like mm. the definition of what a three is. Uh, I don't know. I don't have anything else. To say. I really, honestly, my main takeaway was I was I was entranced by the small details of this one. Mm. You know, in, not in a way that I don't even think the small details are really fantastic or anything, but I. I like the small moments of showing a freighter uh, paired against the Federation. I like the hints at the piracy that goes on. Um, I even kind of, we didn't talk about it. I liked the alien pirates plot here, which is they send out small ships to find things and tag them. And then they send a big warship after it to go shoot it. I kind of like that. Galactus. Yeah, that, that was, that was kind of neat. I liked that. Um, it's just small things like that, that uh, got me interested in the episode. Even if the story was pretty perfectly mediocre. Yeah, I think I'm going to go two on this one. Um, it just didn't grab me at all. Uh, I, I I don't disagree that I think those smaller things were nice and everything, but just from a story story standpoint, it was you know um, not enough boiler boilerplate family soap opera on one hand, and Tapal goes to the movies on the other hand. So. Yeah, yeah. Glad give it a two. 
We'll give you know what this show needs is a is a, a, an influx of cute robots that we can throw in towards the end of the season here and really get people to care <laughs> about stuff. <laughs> well, wait till everyone we meet along the way is here at the end. I, I don't think Enterprise will introduce any cute robots. I don't think, unfortunately. We'll meet a, a race of cute, cute fix-it robots and, and impregnate them with uh, the knowledge of the universe. Um, now we're talking. That's it for Horizon. Thank you very much, patrons, for supporting the show. Thank you for leaving me comments. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back with the next episode, which I, I think is called The Breach is the next episode. Yes, it is. So we'll be back with that one. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, yeah, we've got uh, – last week we had new Rotten Horror Picture Show, which was Society – I think, which was which is a very out there movie. It was a wild card pick, which I, I highly recommend you see if you like weird horror movies. This week we've got the final episode of season three of Batman the Animated Series on Badass, and we do a we cover the final episode and we do a bit of a wrap up on the season and the series because we've now completed the technical definition of the entirety of Batman the Animated Series. Next season four, will everything kind of changes over. And uh, Sean and I are going to be doing Sub-Zero, the animated movie. We're going to be recording that this weekend, and we're going to do a Q&A and stuff. So if you guys want to shoot us any questions, uh, send them to at, at Badass Podcast. Is that what it is? Yeah, at Badass mm-hmm. Podcast on Twitter um, or through Discord or whatever, and we'll uh, we'll do the best we can to answer them. Cool. Thank you very much, guys, for listening. Thank you for supporting the shows. And we'll be back with The Breach. We'll be doing one Enterprise episode a week. For the time being, until my uh, new schedule settles in with the baby coming soon. Uh, But then after that, we should pick back up to normal routine. But it'll be a month or two, probably uh, one a week. Enterprise on Thursdays. How many episodes of Enterprise do we have left? In the season or total? In the season. I think five. Five? Okay. I think so. I might be wrong about that. It's either so four or five. We're, st- I think. we're stuck in the season for like two months. <laughs> it's gonna be, we've got a, we've got one more month at least oh, of this. Boy. Uh, but we started <clears throat> at mid to 2020, I think. So we're moving. We're moving along. The breach will be next. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next time.